And let's once again give it up for our guest worship leader, Lauren Dalton, and our awesome worship team. So let's pray. Father, we pray that we would experience your presence this morning. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. We pray that as Isaiah did, we would see you high and lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I know that many of you guys came out here with a need. Um, you came out here with burdens, uh, with, with worries, with, with anxiousness, with fears, with the disappointments, with discourage, with setbacks, with failures. And there's a whole list of things that you need. You need provision. You need wisdom. You need a direction. Uh, you need restoration, you need help, you need strength, you, you need a way. And let me just submit to you this morning that there's really only one thing that you need, and you, you need to see the Lord high and lifted up. You need a fresh revelation of His face, of His love, of His glory, of His power, and when that happens, you get everything else. As Jesus said, be careful not to seek after the things that, that all the pagans seek after. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. You'll get everything else and something more. You'll get something called an anointing. An anointing is when the presence and the power of God comes upon you for a specific task, a specific calling. My prayer for you this morning is that you will see the Lord high and lifted up, and you'll get every practical thing that you need. But more than that, you will walk out here with a sense of anointing upon your life. So as Luke mentioned, we're walking through a series in Isaiah uh, 40 through 66, and this morning we are on Isaiah chapter 43. The series name is The God You're Looking For. And this morning we're going to see that the God that you're looking for is a God it's really hard to, to isolate just one theme in Isaiah 53 because God shows himself in so many encouraging manners. But let's try to do it. This morning you're going to see, you're going to encounter a God who is doing a new thing. Our text verse is Isaiah 43 verse 18 and 19. And we read, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, and the word behold is mentioned, I think, some thousand times in Scripture. We don't use that word very often. In fact, I don't, I don't walk into a room and say to people, behold, but it's a very potent word. It's, it's, it's saying, let me arrest your attention for a moment because what is following is extremely important. Remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And this is the God that we are going to encounter this morning, a God who does a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers or streams in the desert. You know, we're celebrating, uh, the, the world is celebrating Halloween, and so everybody is infatuated with fear in this particular season. Everybody's infatuated with death and darkness. But when God does, does a new thing, it is the opposite of all of that. For the love will drive out the fear, and His light and hope will drive out the dark shadows of bondage 
and distraction in our heart. And the resurrection life of Jesus Christ swallows up death. And so we see, first of all, in this God who is doing a new thing invites us into a remembrance word. A remembrance word. Let's look at this remembrance word in Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Isn't this awesome? Fear not. In a season of fear, your Father God is saying, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. And this is a picture of the cross. If you ever wonder if God loves you, if He cares for you, look at the cross. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. In a specific context, this is referencing Abraham, Jacob, Isaac. In our context, this is referencing George, Becky, Thomas, Eric. God knows your name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He has them numbered. Fear not, I have called you by name. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You see what this is? This is a remembrance word. God is telling Israel, remember what I've done for you in the past. Remember how I delivered you. Remember how I made a way. Remember when there was no way to go and all the children of Israel were at the bank of the Jordan River. Remember how the priests stepped in and the waters piled up in heaps on each side and all of the children of Israel walked across on dry ground. This is a remembrance word. God jars their attention to the past and how he blessed them. And he said, remember this. Remember how I made a way. And remember, God never makes a way when there is a way. Did you know that? We serve a God who is doing a new thing by making a way, but God never makes a way when there is a way. But when we get to the place where there is no way, when the children of Israel are on the brinks of the Jordan, and there's an entire land filled with with mighty armies and uh, well-planned and sophisticated armies, God says, I will make a way, and I'll make a way because there is no way. Remember when the children of Israel were on another banks, the banks of the Red Sea, and they were pinned, and the, the Egyptian army were barreling in after them with all of their chariots and horses and troops, and there was no way, and when there is no way, God makes a way. Remember the lady who had an issue of blood, and she spent all of her life savings on doctor's bills, and her condition was worse. And she's had this situation for 12 years, and Jesus is coming into town. She had no way, but it's when we have no way that Jesus steps in, and he makes a way. Remember the early church that was huddled together in Jerusalem, and they were afraid for their lives, and their commission was the uttermost parts of the world, and they were afraid to get outside of their own room. But God makes a way where there is no way, and the Spirit fell upon them and gave them such a boldness that overshadowed all of their fears that today there's a church in Fort Worth, Texas, 2,000 years later. And so it is with us, where there is no way. This is when we are set up to experience God. This is when we are set up for a miracle in our life. And this is a remembrance word. 
God says, remember what I've done. Remember what I've done for your ancestors. Remember how God blessed your grandparents. Remember how God blessed your parents. Remember the stories that they've given to you. Remember your life. Remember how God carried you. Remember how God blessed you. Sometimes God jars our attention into into a remembrance word because God is saying, I did it then and I'll do it again. Remember how faithful I am to you. God is doing a new thing and he first jars our attention into a remembrance word. God has been so faithful to us, hasn't he? He's been so good. He's answered our prayers time and time again. He's shown himself to us as a loving father, as a powerful God who fights for us, as a God who provides, as a God who makes a way where there is no way. Let's remember God in our past. And he's faithful. So God, first of all, jars our attention into a remembrance word. For us to remember his goodness and graciousness and faithfulness in our life. God has blessed you time and time again. And he's an eternal wellspring of goodness and love and mercy. He did it then, he will do it again. And now, God jars our attention into a rhema word. And remembering that God is a deliverer, he first jars our, our, our attention to a remembrance word, and then he brings our attention to a rhema word. And let's continue in verse 2. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. And when I was studying this passage this week, I read that it was obvious that God was jarring his people's attention into a remembrance word to look back on how God delivered their forefathers and how God will do it again. And when I finished reading about how God led them over the rivers, it was a clear, it was a clear reference to God leading the children of Israel across the Jordan River. And when I went in to continue reading the rest of verse 2, when you walk through fire, you're not, you will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. I was really racking my mind trying to think of a time that God delivered his people through the fire before 700 B.C. when this was written. And I couldn't think of one. And so it dawned on me that God shifts his attention from a remembrance word into a rhema word. For this word is a promise that's awaiting for somebody to discover about 150 years from the point of its present writing in 700 B.C. And if you remember three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this was written in 700 B.C. These three Hebrews, along with Daniel, along with many others of the sharp young leaders, were taken captive in Babylon, and there they would be in captivity for 70 years. And there in captivity, they had for them to give them hope all of the poetic books, the, the, uh, the, the, the Pentateuch, the writings of Moses. But not only that, they also had the writings of Isaiah the prophet that was written for them 150 to 200 years prior to their being in Babylon in captivity. And there's no doubt about it that these Hebrew boys 
had the, the, the book of the law or Moses' writings, Genesis through De- Deuteronomy, memorized. There's no doubt that they had the poetic books, David's writings, Solomon's writings, memorized. And there's no doubt that they, first and foremost, because they were in captivity, they had the writings of Isaiah memorized. Because it was for their specific situation. Because Isaiah was prophesying that they would indeed be led away into captivity. So if Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in captivity, and they were men of God, and they were men of the word of God, they would have absolutely had, hidden deep in their heart, the writings of the prophet of Isaiah that God had given them to give them hope for when they found themselves in captivity. And they knew that God delivered Israel through the Jordan River. And then they read, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. There's no doubt that the Holy Spirit quickened their heart to say, this is for you. Hold on to it, because you're going to need it, and I'm going to be faithful to you. It was a rhema word. What is a rhema word? Well, some of you may know that I'm taking uh, some Spanish classes, so I'm having to learn some foreign language, and so I'm going to impose some foreign language upon you. Let me share with you three Greek words. There is a graphe word. The graphe word is the entire writing of the Bible. It's Genesis through Revelation. It's all 66 books. It is the word of God. It's the graphe word. When you hold the Bible up, you are holding up the graphe word. When you put the Bible on your coffee table, the graphe word is on your coffee table. It is the Bible. And then there's the logos word. The, the logos word are, are the scriptures as you read them. It's unlike the graphe word, just the written collective books. The logos word is the actual word of God. The word of God is living and active. And then... There's the rhema word, R-H-E-M-A. It's a Greek word. And I love the rhema word because the rhema word is a specific word, a personal word from God for you in this situation. And you can't have a rhema word unless you're faithful to the logos word in the graphe word. So a rhema word is something that may have been written 3,000 years ago. But it was as if God whispered it into your heart and mind now. Have you ever had a rhema word? Oh, my goodness. When God gives you a rhema word, you've really just got to hold on to it. And then you'll see that circumstances start unfolding in a manner that give you an opportunity to trust that rhema word over your circumstances. And then the circumstances come and go, and God's word proved faithful yet once again. I remember the first time I was introduced to a rhema word, years before I ever knew what a rhema word was. I was serving as a Young Life leader, and I was going to the east side of, of town, going into the high schools, meeting kids, and, and my, my whole ambition was to see just one kid saved. Three and a half years later, I had relationships with a lot of kids, but not one kid was saved. And I was about to quit. Because I was going to school, working a couple of jobs, something had to give. Young Life was taking up most of my attention and energy. I thought, well, I've got to let this go. And I remember one morning, I woke up about 6.30 a.m. I was taking some kids that day to uh, repelling it at Mineral Wells State Park. And I just picked up reading the Logos word where I left off before. And I picked up in Galatians 6. And I came down to verse 9, and it might as well have been as if Jesus were sitting on the foot of the bed and just shared this with me audibly. It was such a potent rhema word that affected my heart. Galatians 6, 9. 
Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Amen. That was the rhema word. Amen. And it was tangible. And I had my marching orders. I would stay the course, and God would provide a harvest. And at the end of that semester, I remember this particular living room was packed out with kids. I stood up. I shared the gospel. And at the end of that night, eight kids committed their lives to Christ. I prayed for one, and God provided eight. And I couldn't believe he used me. And I remember driving home that night. And I don't know if you've ever had this emotion where you wanted to laugh and cry and shout and be silent and run and fall on your face all at the same time. Well, that's what I was, I was, I was consumed with. Not just because God used me and not just because eight kids were born again. But what so consumed me was the faithfulness of God to give me a rhema word and then to, and then to bring that rhema word into reality. That's a rhema word. There was another time I was, some years later, I was at my house and I was reading the Bible. I had a great quiet time. I read in Psalm 101, I will set no vile things before my eyes. I closed the Bible. It was a Saturday night. I turned on the TV. It was Saturday Night Live. And it was sort of a, oh, just a sketchy skit. It was not edifying. And I thought to myself, I had just read, I will set no vile thing before my eyes. And here I am watching this. And I just read, I will walk within my home with a blameless heart. And here, look what I'm looking at. So I turned the TV off and opened the Bible up. And I continued reading into Psalm 102, and I read, when all the peoples come together to praise the Lord, those appointed to death will be loosed. And I thought, wow, those appointed to death will be loosed. They're saved. When does that happen? When all the peoples come together to praise the Lord. And back then, I was a singles pastor at a church in Burleson, so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to march over to the best venue I know. It was the Caravan of Dreams at that time. Now the Riata is there, downtown Fort Worth. I rented it out. I didn't have a dime, and I just began sharing this with every college ministry and singles ministry in the Metroplex, and I was terrified. But I was assembling everybody to praise the Lord so that Christ would be glorified and people would come to Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I remember it absolutely terrified me. I kept trying to back out of this vision. And every time I did, I would get a phone call. Hey, I heard you're doing this thing. Can, can I bring my group to it? Or, hey, I heard you're doing this thing. Could you use maybe $500? Or someone walks in my office. Hey, I was just driving down the highway. Like right when I'm thinking of backing out of this, uh, somebody walks into my office and says, Hey, I was just driving down the highway, and God told me to come by and just give you this check, you know, for $1,000. Just one after the next, God kept confirming, continue to march ahead. But it was terrifying to me because I'd never done anything like this before. And then I remember I was in my office and I was praying and I was crying my eyes out to God the night before the event. And then God gave me a rhema word. And the rhema word was, do not be afraid of the multitude, says the Lord, for the battle is mine, not yours. And with that rhema word, God was so gracious to give me a picture in my heart of this auditorium with yellow, hazy light and packed out from the back to the front, from side to side. And before you know it, it's my turn to stand up to share the gospel after the band plays. And when I stand up, I look up, and guess what I saw? Yellow, hazy light and people from the back to the front, from wall to wall. And I knew 
This battle is not mine, but it's the Lord's. And he gave me so much boldness at that moment. It was a rhema word. I remember when we, uh, were, we started Hope Works, we were nomads in the 4th Botanic Gardens for seven years. And I remember driving down Camp Bowie Street, and I saw a liquor store. And I prayed, God, a liquor store has property. And your church are nomads, and we don't even have property. And I stopped into a coffee shop to read my Bible. I opened it up, and the very first thing I read was, there is yet much land to be possessed, God told Joshua. It was a rhema word for that moment. And then God led us here into this building and since then to buy that land and that land and God is continuing to provide land for us. It's a rhema word. It's a specific personal word from the grafe word. You have to be, you have to open the grafe. You got to read the logos day in and day out and then God will be so faithful and gracious as to give you a rhema word. And that was the case with three Hebrews named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They found themselves in Babylon, and they read about a remembrance word, about how God did it for their ancestors, and God will do it for them. And then they read, when you will walk through fire, you will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. And when these three Hebrews didn't bow down to that image that Nebuchadnezzar said they must bow down before, they strapped them up hands and foot, and guess what they threw them into? A fiery furnace. And I have no doubt that those three Hebrew words, that those three Hebrews read this word, and it was a rhema word to them. And when they were thrown into the fire, they weren't filled with fear, but they were filled with courage, because it's exactly as God said. And he said, I will be with you, and the fire will not consume you. And you want to know something? There were not three people walking around in that fire. There were four. And the fourth scripture says, look like the Son of Man. And that fire didn't burn them, and God delivered them through it. And God has a rhema word for you. But you've got to seek him. You have to be diligent to seek him. You've got to walk with him. You've got to hunger for him. You've got to thirst for him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And one of the greatest ways that he rewards us is with a rhema word. God has a remembrance word for us. He did it then, he'll do it again. God has a rhema word as a reward for you seeking him. And then... God has an extravagant word for you. And that's an understatement. Extravagant is like trying to describe the universe as big. It's an understatement. And God has an extravagant word of restoration, of revitalization, of life for you. Let's pick up in verse 4. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. I give men in return for you people in exchange for you. And God says in this extravagant word, fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. Now, this is written to a people who are in captivity. And they're going to be in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And God gives them a remembrance word, a rhema word, but then an extravagant word. And in this extravagant word, God is saying, fear not. Because I'm going to say to the north, I'm going to say to the south, don't withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth and everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And this is exactly what happened when God led his people back home to Jerusalem. 
And the psalmist write of it and says, it was as if we were dreaming. We were in awe. I mean, our heart was swelled with such joy. Have you ever been in a moment of God's faithfulness that you just felt like, is this really real? I mean, I am standing in a moment that I've only read about before, beholding the glory of God, experiencing his faithfulness. And you had this testimony in your heart and mind that you just wanted to shout out to everybody. God is faithful. It's true. And Isaiah is saying, when you find yourself in captivity and you find yourself in Babylon, let your heart swell with hope because I've got an extravagant word for you. You will be restored. You will be restored. And they were restored. And so it is with us. We don't have to settle for plan B. God is saying, I will still use you. I still want to shine through you. I still want to use you for my glory. Think of everything that you've thought of in the past. Think of everything that you've dreamt of in the past. God says, I will still do immeasurably more than anything you would dare to ask or even imagine. God still has a plan for you. God still wants to use you for his glory. So Isaiah 43 is a remembrance word, a rhema word. It's an extravagant word. And how do we experience it? Well, we have to keep moving forward. Life is about moving forward. Resurrection life is about moving forward. We have to keep moving forward with our heart set on the rhema word that God has spoken into our heart. You say, well, what if, what if I don't have a rhema word? How can you move forward? You've got to have a rhema word. There, there has to be a word on your heart that God has given you as a reward for diligently seeking him. And if you don't have a rhema word, then you've got to fast and you've got to pray and you've got to seek God until he fills your heart with that rhema word. And then you have something to rehearse in your mind. You have something to dream about. You have something to to focus upon. But without a rhema word in our heart and our mind, then by default, our minds will focus on the good old days, and our heart will be filled with sorrow and despair and loneliness. Or our minds will focus on past events where we've fallen, or our minds will focus on things that people have said or done about us. If we don't have a rhema word, then by default, our minds will focus into the past. And we can't move forward into everything that God has planned for us. So often followers of Jesus Christ meditate upon things that we're called to forget. And we forget the things that we are called to rehearse in our minds over and over. Verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. What is this new thing? It's a rhema word. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers and the desert. So we have two action steps here. One, we have to forget about the old things. We have to forget about our mistakes. 
Forget about our failures. How can you forget about them? Because we confess our sins to the Lord and we trust that he's forgiven us and cleansed us of it and he's given us a new beginning. And if God has put it in the sea of forgetfulness, if God has separated us from a sinful past as far as the east is from the west, if almighty God has chosen to forget our sins because they're covered by the blood of Jesus when we've confessed them to the Lord, who are we to dig them back up? And just put our past on as this dirty, filthy garment that we dug out of a grave. This tattered garments that we've dug out of a grave that's, that's covered in mud and that's worn out. Who are we to dig up that past garment and clothe ourselves with it and walk around? If it's God himself who's buried it when we've trusted him as our Lord and Savior and asked him to forgive us when we confess that sin. So we have to forget our past. And remembering the good old days has its place for gratefulness, but we can't live there and wish that we can go back to it. You know that you're trying to live in the past when you long for the past and wish you could just go back into it. But what God has planned for us is ahead. The past has its place to remind us of God's goodness and faithfulness. But we can't long for the past and consequently live in the past. It's fine to glance at it from time to time, just like it's okay to glance in your reverse camera from time to time. But if all you do is look into your reverse camera, you're going to wind up on the side of the road or you're going to crash hard. And so it is with us. It's fine to glance at the good old days, it's fine to remember God's goodness only for a moment, only for a glance, only to remember how good God is. But then we have to look ahead. And how do we look ahead? It's through the promises of God, the rhema word of God. So we have to remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Because behold, God says, I am doing a new thing. And what is this new thing? It's God's rhema word to you. I am doing a new thing. And it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and a stream in the desert. And how do you know that God is faithful? How do you know that God is really going to do this new thing if you entrust to him this rhema word and dream about this rhema word? I mean, dream about what it could look like. Dream about what it's going to be like. And whatever you dream about, know it's going to be more than that. Infinitely more than that. And how do you know that God is going to be faithful? Verse 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will remember your sins no more. You know, when I first read that, I thought, whoa, surely I read that wrong. Let me read it again. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for your sake. But it doesn't say that. God says, I blotted out your transgressions for my own sake. Isn't that fascinating? Jesus is saying, you know, I came to this world and I was attacked, I was rejected, I was forsaken, I was a man of sorrows. I carried the cross, I was tortured, I was mutilated, I was ridiculed, I was mocked, I was degraded, and I hung on the cross and I who knew no sin became sin and there in my sin, the Father had to turn his head 
and I experienced death. The author of life experienced death. Not for your sake. Not so that you could be forgiven. Not so that you could be reconciled. Not so that plan A could be back on. Not so that you could escape eternity in hell. No. Everything that I did was for me. Because I so want to hear you call me Savior. I so want to call you friend. I so want to give you life. I so want to spend eternity with you. So you see, the the cross wasn't even for our sake. The cross was for Jesus' sake because he so wants a relationship with us. And he said, I paid for your sins. I'm not going to remember your sins. I just want a relationship. So our action step is to make sure that our heart is filled up with the rhema word and then we've got to forget about the past and we've got to focus on that rhema word and enjoy a relationship with Christ more than anything in this world because it's only Christ that can satisfy our hearts. And God says, I'm doing a new thing. See, I'm doing it right now. Don't you perceive it? I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And if you say, but how could God possibly do it? Well, then you are about to be set up to experience God in a powerful way because God only makes a way when there is no way. And if there's no way for restoration of your heart, if there's no way to experience plan A in your life, if there's no way for things to work together for the good, if there's no way to be used by God again, if there's no way to have peace in your mind, if there's no way to have joy in your life, if there's no way to have love in your heart, if there's no way to have provision, well, then this is when God makes a way. And it's a supernatural way. And it's a stream in the desert. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we thank you for being so good and glorious to us, for being so gracious. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would just bind every broken heart, bind every broken heart up, fill every mind with peace that's riddled with anxiety, Invade every life with joy that has lost its song. And we thank you for everybody here who has found themselves at the end of the rope because that's when they've experienced, that's when we'll experience your strength. We thank you for every scenario represented here where there is no way because that's when you make a way. Praise you, Lord. I wonder if there's anybody here who would say, yeah, you know what? I find myself in a scenario where there is no way and I really need God to make a way. Just raise your hand high. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I'm sure you would furthermore say, I really need God to do a new thing. I really need to see a spring just erupt in the desert. This is God's specialty. This is what he does. 
I just want to invite you to come forward and just to cast your cares upon the Lord. Commit to leaving your past in the past. And commit to, to walking out of here, holding on to the promises of God. Maybe the promises of God are, maybe the Lord gave you a rhema word this morning. I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'll, I'll create a stream in the desert. God only makes a way when there is no way. Maybe your rhema word was, remember not the former things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Maybe that was your rhema word. Maybe your rhema word was Jesus saying, the cross wasn't for you, it was for me. Because that's how much I love you. I was willing to go through that to have a relationship with you. And so maybe you need to return to the Lord. Maybe God gave you, gave you your rhema word this morning. Or maybe you need to pray, oh God, fill my heart with the promise that you want me to stand upon in this season. So I just want to invite you down to the altar to pour your heart out to God. And let's just spend some time in reverence and, and crying out to the Lord. The altars are open.